Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. You know what today is? I do know what today is. It comes every four years. Yes, it's Inauguration Day. Inauguration Day. We, um, very exciting. we got some exciting. Southern Baptists involved in the inauguration. Yes, we do. Involved in the inauguration, involved in the new administration. Um, very, very interesting interesting stuff. But do you do you get into inaugural festivities, Jonathan? Not really, because it happens every four years during the middle of the day whenever I'm at work. Ah, see, I'm one that kind of moves things around in order to experience the whole thing. And I guess, I mean, our listeners are shocked right now at this. Yeah, I was the mom that like went and got the kids out of preschool early so that they could be at the house so we could watch the inauguration together as a family. And they were three and four because it's important every four years. I'm not saying it's not important. Yeah, you watch the peaceful transfer of power. It's it, it's it really is an important thing for us to take in. All right. Well, I'll I'll try to tune in then. Yeah. And, and regardless, check it out. I, and I've felt this way regardless of what uh, who I've voted for or whatever. Just watching what we do as a society, it's very important. I think should be some good TV today. So um, it'll yes. be fun to watch the media cover that, and then the inauguration balls tonight. Um, that'll be uh, always a uh, you know the the red carpet of the uh, the day. So. Yes, very fun. All righty. Well, well, we'll get into some of the Southern Baptist involvement in that a little bit later. Uh, we're going to talk about some new, uh, some places that Southern Baptists will find themselves in the new administration. So, uh, got a few high-ranking officials that are Southern Baptist, uh, supposedly, you know, going to be Senate still waiting Senate confirmation on some of them, obviously. Sure, sure. But uh, proposed uh, Southern Baptist yes. in some high-ranking places in the government. But first, some news came out this week. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of move this into uh, the Southern Baptist focus, but the abortion rate has reached an all-time low uh, since the passing of Roe versus Wade. It has dropped below a million for the first time since 1975. That's incredible. Uh, really amazing. Were, were you surprised to see this? Well, it's been trending this way, so yes. I, I'm I'm encouraged by this. I think you could also say public perception toward abortion has also declined over the last few years. But even with an administration that favored abortion more and more and, and funded it more and more, uh, we've seen abortion rates drop you know, precipitously over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think one thing, I'm sure there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons for this that people will, will go through, but I think the grassroots efforts, you know, sort of on the ground, uh, just like you said, really hitting at the topic itself with the people has changed public opinion. And so what this tells us, I mean, we haven't really had, you know, those of us who um, are pro-life haven't really had legislative backing or judicial backing, you know, any kind of support on our side, but by and large. I mean, it's on small the national level, there. we haven't. You're right. Right. But yeah, it seems like on the level, state yes. levels, that's where things are changing. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, under this new administration, new Congress, that we'll see that on the the national side as well. Yeah, I'm really uh, interested to see that. And um, as we have commented several times, the, the platform of the Republican Party was incredibly uh, pro-life and uh, more than we've ever seen. And so knowing that all of you know the the people who were behind that uh, kind of have majority won in in all of these races 
Um, I think it will be interesting to see if they move forward on that, if they kind of follow through with some of the things that they said. Um, but what I think we have to remember as individuals is that it now is not the moment for us to say, okay, we got our folks in, the platform passed, now they, you know, they, they're in office, now our work is done. Um, because what this shows us is that even without necessarily that support, we can do so much just one person at a time. Um, and so I, I, I think this should really spur us on to continue uh, with just the, the um, ministry all over the, uh, you know, all over in, in our own communities. Yes, and that also leads us right into uh, a big story this week dropped out of the ERLC. They released their 2017 legislative agenda. This is uh, co-written by Russell Moore and Travis Wusso. Travis is the vice president for the ERLC uh, based up in Washington, D.C., obviously Russell Moore, president of the ERLC. And many of these dealt with the sanctity of human life. Uh, they listed uh, a few pieces here, defund Planned Parenthood, uh, that is one of their big legislative agenda items, and, and that's something that the closer we get to a Trump administration, and, and now in the Trump administration on Inauguration Day here, uh, that's something that's becoming more and more of a reality every day. Yeah, um, we're, we're already starting to hear about this. And then the same thing, talking about the repeal of the um, abortion contraception yes. mandate. Yep. Uh, obviously, as we see the conversations about um, uh, Obamacare, uh, and that that's a a large issue goes beyond this, but that's just kind of one piece. Yeah, and tied to that um, was the the Hyde Amendment. It. You remember that was a discussion that yes. the Democrats were wanting to put the Hyde yes. Amendment and get rid of that. That eliminates taxpayer funding for abortion, uh, and they are wanting to actually pass a tax a no taxpayer funding for abortion act uh, and yes. help codify the Hyde Amendment. Uh, also, uh, pushing for a pro life Supreme Court nominee. Right. Uh, this is going to be really interesting to see, and and I understand why we haven't necessarily heard the name yet um, of who the well today, as people are hearing this, who the president, the forty fifth president, will put forward, uh, because there is a nominee, if you will, still on the table. So that's going to have to kind of switch, and then um, and then uh, w I'll be interested to see who. Uh, the the new president puts forward as a nominee. So we have a lot to see already early on, but um, we'll share the Baptist Press article about the ERLC agenda, and then uh, there's a link in there. Uh, we can link as well to the agenda itself, yep. uh, to the document that lays it all out. Yep. All right. And uh, just one question on that, Amy. This is just Amy Whitfield opinion time. Yes. Had Barack Obama known that Hillary Clinton would not be the next president of the United States back in June, August, you know, the time frame whenever we were talking presidential, I mean, Supreme right. Court nominee, would he have worked harder to have his nominee on the bench? Um, I'm not sure he could have gotten anybody confirmed, but at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I think the ideologies are so different and distinctive uh, that I think he knew and and probably understood, and they knew that this was going to be nearly impossible. I think he did the best he could to put someone forward um, that fit sort of his line of thinking, uh, but maybe had a, a good um, record just in terms of um, experience and things. So I'm not sure that he. I, I don't think he would have done anything differently. That's just my my guess, okay. my hunch. Because right. if you go if you go too different in ideology, then he had a base, and um, yeah, and I I've really felt that that 
Barack Obama um, was a, an incredibly ideologically driven president. He wasn't swayed very much by public opinion. And so I just think he that that wasn't a concern. Yeah. For him. Well, and the way the conversation shaped up ultimately was you had pro-life judge versus pro-choice judge, uh, you know, pro-abortion versus no abortion. And that that's kind of basically where that was the one issue that was dividing anybody who was going to be nominated uh, right. from the Republican side or the Democratic side. So uh, that you know the the name that is released soon, I'm, I'm guessing it'll be soon in the next few weeks uh, by the Trump administration should be uh, a story that we will keep our eyes on because, like we've mentioned in a previous podcast, it's entirely possible that person could be a Southern Baptist. Yes. Uh, right. Very much so. Some other news around the convention. Uh, California Baptist. We talked about them a while back about the uh, Senate bill that was out there in California. They got pulled, but uh, this is non-religious uh, liberty related. Uh, congratulations on them moving to the WAC conference and NCAA Division One. That's exciting. I, I think that's really exciting. Now, they'll be in transition. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of move forward. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of, of college athletics and division one is a big deal. Um, so I did not know their um, mascot is the Lancers. That's yes. uh, not, I'm, I'm a fan of kind of unique mascot names. It uh, has so a, cool. it has a piece that could be, uh, you know, maybe thought to be similar to the proposed LA chargers logo. If, if you look at that, that logo there, it's yeah. got a little Lance that could be thought to be similar to the now discarded L.A. Chargers logo. Yes. Well, this it's very interesting um, because so many times, I mean, even with great academic programs, with uh, you know, great uh, liberal arts, things like that, in, in truth, mainstream um, knowledge of schools sometimes doesn't really uh, kind of tip the scales until somebody until a school gets in division one NCAA, that's when their name really gets known more and more. So, uh, this is exciting for CBU just to get, uh, get their reputation out there even more with people knowing who they are. All right. So this will put them, this puts them in a multi-year transition to NCAA division one status, which would they will apply for in 2018 in June. So they would right. start in 2018, 19 for, um, Division One, and they would officially move into the WAC. Then uh, other teams in the WAC, and and the WAC used to be a lot more household names, but some of those are splitting off to the Mountain West and well, to the Pac-12. Why don't you say what that stands for? So Let's talk the Western, the Western Athletic, Athletic Conference. Athletic Conference. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. So I, this goes back to my background in sports. I know exactly yes. what the WAC is. Uh, yeah. So in them in the WAC with them, Cal State, Bakersfield, Utah Valley State, Grand Canyon University, also New Mexico State, UMKC. Uh, which is Missouri, Kansas City, Seattle University, Chicago State, and UT Rio Grande Valley. That's University of Texas, not Tennessee, Rio Grande Valley. There is no Rio Grande Valley in Tennessee. That's that's very correct. For the geographically remember, challenged. <laughs> yes, yes. And remember, in uh, March Madness, every, every conference yep. winner – it gets an automatic uh, spot in the bracket, and then the committee will select other people based on records and stuff. So I'm going to be pulling for CBU um, starting in 2019 uh, in March, to win yeah, that. There we go. Yeah, to win that Western Athletic Conference championship because I want to see them in my bracket. So now I'm I'm trying to think of Southern Baptist institutions. Would they be the only Southern Baptist institution in Division One? There are some uh, Baptist institutions. Mercer, sure, ba yeah, Baylor. Baylor uh, you uh, know, Liberty, get some, but current Southern Baptist institutions is DBU in Division One. 
I don't know. Belmont would All not right. classify. So, I mean, yeah, th- no. there's a lot of Baptist ones, but not like Southern Baptist state, right. you know, state-funded kind of. Belmont was. Belmont yeah. was, but, um, well, which so I'm, a big, I'm a big basketball fan of the Belmont Bruins, by the way, just a side note. Um, yes. So Defending I'll, I'll OVC pull. champs. What? Defending yes. OVC champs. Yes. Um, I'm always pulling for them every year. Um, but. Yeah, so our li- we'll have to throw this to our listeners out there. I think this may be the only one, uh, but someone correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is, but this is exciting stuff. I yeah. love this. And there are a lot of Baptist schools. Don't give me. I mean, I just listed off a, a handful of them right. there right. that are in Division One, uh, but yeah. I don't know if any of them are like state, you know, tied to the state. Right to to the actively state tied to state conventions um, that are. You know, kind of within our yeah. Because I'm but. thinking like North Greenville, Mississippi College, Louisiana College. Right. Uh, a bunch of them are either NAI or NCAA Division One or two. So, and then some of them are the NCCAA. Or, you know, they're they're that small. Yes. So, all right. That's uh, this week in college Baptist athletics. Uh, yes. Your your little segment there. All right. Also, uh, some more Baptist school news. Bruton Parker, you remember, had some issues uh, in the past few years with some financial accountability and SACS accreditation. That has been resolved. They are in the clear now. Uh, that is affirmed by the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools Commission on Colleges. That's SACS COC. Their financial follow-up report to the 2014 um, ruling was, was accepted, and so they're back in the clear. Yes. Congratulations to them. Uh, the, those are always... Uh, lengthy processes takes a lot of work, and so uh, I know they are very relieved. And one final note here, uh, while we're talking about schools and Baptist colleges, Louisiana College received a grant to help launch a master's degree in social work, so a master's of science in social work, MSW degree, and uh, two grants totaling more than $600,000 from the Rapides Foundation in Alexandria, Louisiana. Wow, that's uh, that's big. So uh, some growth at our state Baptist colleges and uh, good to see, you know, exciting times again for the Lancers out there in the WAC. So yes. that's going to do it for the news this week uh, on the, the news stories. But, Amy, we wanted to talk today about some Southern Baptists and how they are playing an integral part in the Trump administration. Uh, I guess beginning with uh, one of the big news items this past week, Sonny Perdue announced yeah. as the Agricultural Secretary nominee. Yeah, uh, of course, we've already talked about uh, Scott Pruitt, uh, the the nominee for yeah. the EPA. EPA. Um, but Sonny Purdue, that's a big one. Georgia Baptist there uh, from yeah. uh, First First Baptist Woodstock. Sonny's son is Jim Purdue, and he's the pastor at Second Baptist Church in Warner Robins, Georgia. Yes, um, and that name will be familiar to a lot of a lot of people. Um, so that's like the highest profile uh, person, but uh, we continue to see uh, kind of different members of the advisory council that are, are participating in conversations and then uh, folks who are helping in maybe an advisory capacity. Um, but I, the, we haven't seen this in quite some time, um, Southern Baptists having the, this type of, of connection. Well, and I think I think there might be one reason for this, because the president is such an outsider to Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. He has brought in some Washington people in his administration. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yes. But in a lot of times, people that are already involved in Washington already have their groups of people, their picks, those kind of things. Yes. President Trump working with a blank slate for the most part. Right. I mean, he's right. bringing in people that he knows 
And and we're seeing a lot different type of nominees from President Trump and, and some really strong evangelical ties because of this. Because I, I think he's he's relying on a, a broader base of of uh, advisors than most presidential nominees or president elects, I guess you yes. could say, because they're so entrenched in the Washington D.C. machine. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Of course. We're also going to get a lot of folks in there that will have really fresh ideas and new ideas, but have different kinds of experience than the Washington, D.C. machines. So seeing them kind of interject into that world, um, I I think that's going to be something uh, to watch over the next year or two and see if there's a change um, in the way things are done. Um, But I think we're going to continue to see this in nominees. We're going to see more, as you said, evangelicals. Um, and potentially more Southern Baptists. Uh, but it, it's intriguing whenever these names pop up. We're all, you know, several of us, uh, you and I have, have been in, you know, email conversations or, or whatever uh, with folks saying, hey, did you see this person uh, was was mentioned? So. so just run over these real quick. Department of State, Rex Tillerson, Exxon Executive. Department of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin. He is a banker. Uh, Goldman yes. Sachs, Department of Defense, James Mathis, you know, obviously military experience there. Department of Justice, Senator Jeff, Jeff Sessions from Alabama, uh, obviously Washington tie there. Um, Department of Homeland Security, retired General John Kelly, another, um, you know, experience in the military sector. Department of Health and Human Services is Representative Tom Price, obviously uh, Washington connection there. Uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson. Again, Washington outsider. Department of Energy, former Texas Governor Rick Perry. Uh, while he's known as a politician, he's you know from Texas. He's not a Washington insider. Department of Labor, uh, Andrew Puzder, which is the, he's the chief executive of Hardee's and Carl Jr., uh, that big corporation. So another corporate pick. Department of Transportation, probably the the most insider of of his picks. Uh, Elaine Chell, she served in the George W. Bush administration as well as previous administrations in. Uh, Washington D.C. also married to Mitch McConnell. Yeah, uh, department. She's an insider. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's the most inside as they as they come of of the picks. Uh, department of Education Betsy DeVos uh, from New York, uh, another Washington outsider, uh, drawing a lot of heat for uh, you know being an evangelical and giving to evangelical entities. Wow, um, yeah. shocker there. Department of the Interior Representative Ryan Zinke of Montana, another you know Washington uh, pick there. What Wilbert Ross for the Department of Commerce. Uh, chairman of a private equity firm, another outsider businessman, Department of Agriculture, we just talked about, Sonny Perdue from Georgia, and Department of Veteran Affairs, David Shulkin. Um, he's serving in the Obama administration right now as the Undersecretary of Health for the VA, uh, so tying him into that Veterans Affairs uh, group a lot quicker up to speed uh, than maybe some outsider. Uh, then you mentioned Scott Pruitt for the EPA, uh, then Nikki Haley for the Ambassador to the UN, both of those from states, not from D.C., and then the OMB director would be uh, Representative Mick Mulvaney from South Carolina, another Washington guy. But, you know, you start looking at all those, that's a lot of people from the business sector, from state governments, uh, trying to, you know, do something maybe different than what we'll see in uh, in Washington, D.C. under a Trump administration. So yeah. some solid picks. I, I know a lot of those names probably are very familiar to people. A lot of faith-based names uh, in there as well, so uh, it should be fascinating to watch this government, uh, these government leaders come together to to lead and, and steward this administration. Yeah, it 
it will certainly be a term to behold, I think. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to move us on to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, you know, I like to be kind of timely when we have these big events going on. And as you just said, we talked about a lot of uh, different appointees and and we t- talked about several Southern Baptists. Uh, but remember, this is not a, a first necessarily because we've had a Southern Baptist president. Yep, Jimmy Carter. Um, yes, and he very famously left the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, but in 1977, when he was inaugurated, uh, he was very much entrenched. Uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, and it was a big deal uh, to Southern Baptists. So I'm throwing in there um, the uh, the Baptist Press articles. Basically, the two uh, Baptist Press issues right after the inauguration were just completely devoted to really? the inauguration. Yeah, and it's just interesting. Uh, I wonder if Baptist Press has anybody covering this one. I'm sure they uh, I don't do. Know, Tom, Tom Strode, you know, maybe up yeah. there. He at the Washington Bureau and things. Got to have somebody. Um, yeah, but the, their articles all about um, the the Bible that he used, um, the the speech uh, that he gave, that his hand was on Micah six eight when he took the oath of office. Uh, it talks about the worship service. There was like a private worship service oh, wow. um, before uh, to pray for him. Nelson Price was very involved. They they were close. Uh, in the private worship. And then this was kind of the interesting tidbit to me uh, that after the inauguration, their first Sunday in Washington, they joined uh, the First Baptist Church of Washington, D.C. And Amy Carter, uh, which for not those you. of you who don't know, my maiden name was Carter. Yeah, so not you. Uh, she was like my namesake. Um, she was nine years old. She made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as her Savior huh. uh, that Sunday. And uh, it said she would be baptized into the church membership there. And uh, other members of his family, his sons, they joined the First Baptist Church there. So uh, lots of articles in these two issues that kind of deal with that uh, week, the inauguration. Um, so I, I just thought it would be interesting to kind of throw out there. People can look can look over those. Um, one thing that was also interesting is it said between Sunday school and the worship service, the First Baptist Church has a half-hour coffee break, and during this time, they mingled with the other church members visiting and getting acquainted. Um, I imagine, I know the Secret Service was very involved at that time, <laughs> uh, just as they are now, but I'm sure it was a lot easier then than it is today. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's good to remember we're kind of, it's we've been through several years where maybe uh, we haven't known as many people who were involved, uh, but this is not necessarily a new thing for Southern Baptists to be uh, connected at this high of a level. It, we were very involved um, 40 years ago this week in SBC history. All right. Very cool, Amy. All right. So resource of the week this week, instead of doing a resource for me and a resource for Amy, we're combining this week because we had a huge thing drop this week in the Southern Baptist Convention, the Christian Standard Bible version is now online. So csbible.com just launched this week. So that's going to be our combined resource of the week. It's such a big deal that we're, we're both jumping in on this. And yes. you need to check this out. The new translation uh, from Lifeway, uh, the Translation Oversight Committee, um, chaired by Dr. Tom Schreiner from Southern Seminary and David Allen from Southwestern Seminary. So we are linking to that this week. Check out all the new stuff, all the endorsers, everything over at csbible.com. The new text will be available in uh, your apps and your, your Bible study softwares later in the spring. 
uh, basically just working with those guys, get those new uh, data files uploaded and into your uh, programs if you use online Bibles. But csbible.com has got the, uh, the full text of the book of Mark right now, and you will get the rest of the text uh, later in the spring when it officially launches in March. So you'll be able to get hard copies of that in March. Uh, be watching for that, and there'll be a bunch of stuff at the SBC annual meeting this summer in Phoenix for that as well. So csbible.com. Yes, check it out. I've been excited about this for years now. I've been waiting for this. Very excited. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it this week. Amy, you enjoy the inauguration. Make your kids sit there in front of the television and watch it. And uh, I'm sure they will enjoy their time with their mother watching the inauguration. Yes, it will be lots of fun. All right. All right. Well, that's it for the show this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.